Hi, everyone. Before we get started on our second podcast on Elvis Potter and the Year of the Badger, third podcast, here are some things the author, Bartimus Crotchety, had to say about our first podcast. Responses to questions that were asked on the show. He says, I've had some vehement posts in the past demanding to know why I've changed things, which surprises me since J.K. has set very little of the next gen in stone. So I have no problem with the tone of your questioning and queries. Inquiries are fine. Negativity and judgmental reviewers are not. Most often they don't even sign their names, so I delete them regularly. Yay, intelligent discourse. Albus's hair is brown on purpose, because I wanted James to have a claim to his father's heritage, and giving him the dark hair accomplished that. Albus has his father's or grandmother's eyes, his unruly hair, and looks. While he tries to slick his hair down and hide his Harry Potterness, James keeps his hair sloppy, loves the fact it's black, and believes himself to be the heir apparent to the Potter hero mantle. Like most people, he is the hero of his own story, and to do that, he has made Albus, who is clearly running away from his legacy, the villain, because he finds Albus's desire to be his own boy offensive. It is a deliberate choice, in other words. The seller was based on a JK question at an interview. What does the Hufflepuff common room look like? It was the only common room that did not appear in any of the Potter books. One impetus for me to write this story was to fix that. She said in that interview that it had round doors, earthen walls, and barrel-top tunnels heading off to the bedrooms. She saw it as a hobbit hole. I filled in the blanks. The only actual detail in the books was that it was behind a still life in the kitchen. So the seller's location and looks also deliberate. I think he might be slightly confused there, because I don't remember ever seeing in the books that it was accessed from the kitchen. The only thing I can remember finding out is that it was on the same corridor as you used to get to the kitchen. But I could be wrong, and in any case, that came up in the previous podcast. Back to Bartimus's comments. My second generation was also based on her interviews, especially the next-gen sketch, which you can find with a Google search. The character details were not there, but which kids belonged to whom were. Harry and Ginny had Albus, James, and Lily. Percy and Audrey have Molly and Lucy. George and Angelina have Roxanne and Fred. Bill and Fleur have Victoire, Gabrielle, and Louis. And Ron and Hermione have Rose and Hugo. She spent a lot of time on those names, so I used them. Finally, he lists the chronological order of the stories in this universe, most of which are one-shots. First off, After Magic, which is the prequel we mentioned in the podcast. It has several chapters. Then, For Name's Sake, a one-shot featuring Luna Lovegood finding out about Lily Luna, followed by an early part of the one-shot The Day That Changed Everything, A Better Place, featuring Albus and Creature. Then we get to Albus Potter and the Year of the Badger, which we're covering. Next, Everything You Wanted to Know About Cormac, which we also mentioned, Growltooth's Laws of Acquisition. Then comes the second part of The Day That Changed Everything. And finally, Albus Potter and the Black Badger Society, the full-length sequel. Bartimus ends off his note with, Feel free to shoot me any questions and queries. I am an open book. And yes, I am male. Signed, Bart. With that, I'm going to sign off. You will hear me again in a few moments as we start part three of Albus Potter and the Year of the Badger. Hello. Hello. Hmm. Trisha. <laughs> Hello. There she is. Hi. Hello. And I've got you all turned up, so hopefully we'll be able to hear. Am I okay? That's always good. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Cutting in and out. Hopefully we're not going to have the internet trouble I had yesterday. Mm. Yes, that would be good. My brother, my, my darling sweet brother said, well, it was fluctuating. 
So I'd have internet for a second and then it'd go out and then it'd come back on and it'd go out. So Skype wasn't working. Facebook wasn't working. The forum came up without any colors or formatting. So all the, there was no boards. It was just words. I'm like, I can't deal with this. I don't know what's what. So Mike was here and he said, well, did you try unplugging your router for a few minutes and resetting your router? And I was like, no. He said, well, let's try that. And it worked just fine after that. Oh, good. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Ulrich's in bed, Tricia. No, that wasn't me. Oh, okay. Oh, it, it might be around my house. There are just animals everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> our small menagerie. That happens on our podcast. Mm-hmm. We like animals yeah. on the podcast. And what is in your menagerie right now? You have mundane animals, though. You should have fun animals in your menagerie. Yeah. We only really have cats and dogs. We don't have anything crazy at the moment. The craziest we've ever really had is a ferret. That's gone at the moment. Yeah. Ferrets are fun. Yeah. So at the moment, we just have a puppy, and he's very cute, but nine weeks old and very full of life. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're house training him at the moment, and we have four cats at the moment as well. That's Yay. good to train him when he's so young with cats. So then yeah. when he's yeah, adopted. we're trying to get him used to cats and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind of puppy the is he? The cats aren't too impressed. No, oh, they never he's are. um, he's just a mix of everything. I think <laughs> he doesn't seem like any particular breed. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else ha- doing anything fun? No. I started choir last week. That's fun. That is fun. <laughs> That's good. So I probably won't be able to come to listen to the um, POV Weekly podcasts, unfortunately, because they're on Thursday. But Aw. Well, I'll try to keep them edited. I've got one ready to go up. I tried to put it out yesterday, and with all my Internet trouble, when I went to load it in the FTP, it told me it was going to take 90 days. Or, no, 90 hours. <laughs> It was 90 oh. hours, but still. That's, that's a little better, but several still. Several days. I know. That's I was like, hmm, this is not going to work. But I did actually manage to get it loaded last night, so it'll probably go out tonight or tomorrow. Depends on how tired I am tonight after the podcast. And I have the OR one mostly edited. I just need to kind of fine-tune it. So yeah, that's a three-hour podcast. <laughs> that's that's yeah, for a while. pretty good for POV. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Aurors ones are going to be kind of special editions that way, I think, because mm-hmm. they kind of have to go for however long their particular encounter takes. Yes, and uh, having the the reading beforehand kind of messed oh, yeah, that, made that longer, too. So I added a little to my uh, eavesdrabble last night, but I, I'm not sharing much because somebody said, okay, now we need some smut of even Harry after graduation. And I didn't actually do smut with even Harry, but I did do some smut. So it's, it's being shared with very few people. Yay. So yeah, a whole 70 words. It wasn't very big, but you know, whatever. It's writing. It, no vomiting. No. For the Aurors, I have been getting lots of vomiting noise sound clips, but I will spare you that sound today. Tune in to the Aurors 2-1 if you'd like to hear it. Do you want to hear my mouse story? I have a mouse story. Ooh, do tell. I think your mouse story will be fun from what I've 
read on Facebook. <laughs> so I came into the house on Saturday morning, and, and the orange cat was, like, staring at the towels that we use to dry the cats and dogs off when they're wet because it's decided to rain in Oregon again. I think we had something like six inches in 48 hours or some astronomical amount like that. So I thought, well, that's weird. And I picked up the towel, and laying underneath the towel is this little mouse shape. And I thought it was one of those little toy mice. You know those little fuzzy little, that look just like real mice that the cats play with? Until it got up and ran at my feet. And so I was trying to get out of its way because I didn't want it on my feet. And I kind of jumped to get out of the way, and I ended up landing on it. Not all the way because I would have smushed it dead, but landing on it. So then I screamed. I'm not proud of that fact that I, I screamed like Ryan with the maggots, only not really that loud. And then I, I thought, oh, I killed it. So I, I started to, you know, reach down to get it, and it came back to life and woke up. I just stunned it and kind of zigzagged its way across the kitchen with the cat in heart pursuit because I'd stunned him, and he wasn't quite all together. And Bernie was more like, I'm going to play with it, not, you know, actually kill it. So I thought, oh, man, I don't want it under the refrigerator. So I thought, well, it'll fit in the spider catcher. I'll just catch it in the spider catcher. So I went and got the spider catcher, had to move the dog out of the way. She wasn't thrilled with me or the mouse. And I went to put him in the spider catcher, which is just a little triangle plastic piece on a on about a six or eight inch handle. And you put the triangle piece over the spider and it's got a little thing that slides in underneath it and you can live trap it and take it outside. Well, it was underneath the cupboards, and so there was no clearance to get the spider catcher in there. I thought, well, how am I going to get it out? I know. I'll just chase it out with the tongs. So I reached down to chase it out with the tongs, and it just kind of ran underneath the cupboards. And so I just grabbed it with the tongs and took it (laughs) to the door. And by the time I got him to the door, he'd actually climbed up. So he was sitting on top of the tongs looking at me like, what are you doing? So I opened the door really fast, and I threw him out. And apparently Bernie came out with me. I did not know Bernie came out. I thought he was still in the house. So I turned around and went back in the house and put the tongs in the sink to wash them. And I looked up and Bernie's at the back door. And I thought, how in the world did he get outside? He was inside. How did he get outside? He's magical. So I I told... There was a flying mouse. (laughs) Yes, there was a flying mouse. He went after it. I told this story to my preschoolers today. And one of my preschoolers said... You must have a hole in your floor for that mouse to have come in. I thought that was that was pretty good. She figured it out. She had a scenario and figured out exactly how I got that mouse in my house. But I didn't mm-hmm. find a body, so hopefully he got away. Because he was just a baby. He was a little tiny thing. So, anyhow, that was my mouse story. I caught him with the tongs. <laughs> good story. I like it. What, Trisha? I said, I bet you they love bringing up story. I bet you they tell them great. Oh, yeah. My kids like my stories. They think I'm funny. They're coming Thursday. We're going to look at plants and see how uh, dirt is made, which means I have to remember to take the tractor down tomorrow night and turn the compost because there's so much stuff on top of the compost right now you can't see the dirt. Because we also went apple pressing to get apple juice, and I brought home three buckets full of smashed apples after all the juice was out, to put in my compost. So I've got that and zucchini plants up there right now. Who has the low-flying airplane? That's a cool sound. Oh, that would be me. 
Yeah, there's an airport sort of near here where people fly in to, like, come to this country town with a uni. Okay. I can't even hear that from here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Um, it's good. Sorry. You might get a lot of noise from my house. Both my roommates are home at the moment, so they're talking to the dog in the lounge room. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. We're used to it. Trisha, we can barely hear you again. You come in and out. It's kind of weird. How's that? Better. I need a new headset. You do. I never had a chance. (laughs) Well, yeah, well. All right, well, should we start? And then Trisha can go to bed. And Jenny can go to class. Sounds good. Oh, no, all my classes are over. Last week was my last week of term. Wow. Yeah, it's good. I'm much more, less busy now. I bet. Mm. That's nice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll go back to bed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bed sounds good. For Friday, October 3rd, this is episode 196 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ron. The next time. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? Well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolution for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You are. Yes, you are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. No, she's the poster child for our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snake. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> you always laugh before the end. Think we please, where the story never ends. This is... Oh, I guess I gotta do it the right way. Welcome to Potter Family. <laughs> And welcome to Potterfic Weekly, the oldest... Show everything's made up, the points don't matter. That's it. I was going to say, <laughs> the oldest podcast in the uh, Puffwa family of podcasts. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Trisha. And I'm Jenny. And we are reading Albus Potter and the Year of the Badger by Bartimus Crotchety, also known as Bart, according to the uh, beginning of this chapter, which says, thanks for reading so far. Stay with me, Bart. So that's always like, good to know. I like, uh, like the name. Yes, me too. Oops, I'm getting direct messages from Wolfie. Well, we start off at the Quidditch pitch. Uh, Albus is trying out his broom now that he's not afraid of flying anymore. And he's really having a good time. And then Professor Farrell shows up, and he's finally brought the broom he promised to get for Scorpius, so he can try out for Quidditch. 
and uh, it turns out to be a really old model that they're kind of disappointed about. Mm-hmm. But I have a sneaking suspicion it won't be as bad as they think because he did say he was making some modifications and trying charms and things on it. So He did. I love it. He's Okay, okay what? I'm making the prediction. Oh, no. It is not Epshka. <laughs> okay. I don't know why, but I get I, I get the weird juju uh, vibe from him. I okay. There's something up him. Okay. I just don't think there's something right. So. Well, we That's will my prediction. take note of that. And when we find out who the villain in this piece is, we'll have to see if you're right. I think it's him. Well, it's not Hogwarts. Uh... Uh-oh. Did we lose Jenny? I was going to say, did we lose Jenny? <laughs> Where'd she go? She Why shows is still being here, but Why we can't hear anything. it's not working for me? Oh, nope. no. It says no, she's, she's got calling her bounce. back. She okay. wasn't sure if she would be able to stay on or not because she was having trouble with this the last time. So what I liked about this is that they, this Twigger 99 that he's, uh, you know, added some charms to, and I agree with Scott. I think that he's added some things to it that's going to make it better. Um, it's really maneuverable and stuff like that, but it's not fast. And the his friend who flies with the Worcester Wizard Synchronized Flying Brigade said it was the best broom ever. And Albus is, like, rolling his eyes going, this is not a Quidditch broom. But mm-hmm. And he offers to let Scorpius use his. He does. Yeah. What, Trisha? All I could think of was synchronized swimming. Mm-hmm. When he was saying that, I'm like, I'm not going to get my thought about that. I kind of want to see synchronized like flying squad now. That could be fun. <laughs> kind of like the ice skate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit. Whoa. Sorry. I'm working at the same time. Uh-oh. That's not good. Don't let us mess up your work. It, it, it's, it's my side work, though. Okay. So, yeah, Albus offers to let him have his broom because, you know, the Twigger's not a good broom. And Scorpius gets all scathing and says, you know, I'll make this work. I don't need your charity. And that sends Albus off because Albus is on a hair trigger. And he says, fine, you arrogant snobby, get good luck. And he storms off. And Rose is reading a book, and she starts to ask something, and he holds his hand up into her face and as he walks by. And he's kind of taking his life into his own hands because you don't do that to Rose. She'll hurt you. But and he goes over to Hagrid's hut and kicks one of the pumpkins. That's all I can think of to do. Mm-hmm. Which, knowing Hagrid and Hagrid's pumpkins is huge. It's lucky he didn't fall inside it and get swallowed up. Yeah, I was expecting him to injure that, his foot. Go, Trisha. Does anybody find funny that Scorpius is, is now Ron Weasley? <laughs> Just a little. Kind of, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, he's like, oh, kidding me. Yes, I, I only have a roast beef sandwich kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just like, oh, he, he's wrong. He's like, <laughs> we'll worry if he gets red hair. Uh, so he's he's out pumpkin, yeah, kicking pumpkins, which I guess is better than puppies. And uh, Haggard comes over and yeah, don't pick the puppy. tells him off. And uh, then Albus is ashamed. And he's got to learn to control his temper. So he goes back up to his room, and he remembers how he felt after Rose gave him the calming drought. And he wonders if he can make one. And so he gets potion ingredients, 
And I think this is so cool because the Hufflepuff in this universe, the Hufflepuffs enter and exit their common room through the kitchens, which is great mm-hmm. for uh, grabbing food on your way in and out. I'm surprised there's no, no there's not any fatter Hufflepuffs as it is. I know. Oh, well, I did say there were a few chubby ones. I think mm-hmm. they have better self control. I guess. I don't. No. I got if I if I, if I see a. I'm going to see a cookie or something like that. <laughs> One of my coworkers brought me moose munch popcorn today, which is uh, dark chocolate covered popcorn. And I was having a very hard time not eating the whole bag. So I don't have very good self-control. Well, the thing is, I mean, how part of how I've lost a lot of weight is that I just don't, I don't buy the food that I, ha- I mean, I just don't buy it. So mm-hmm. I've got to the I don't buy. I don't buy it. If I don't have it in the house, then I'm not going to eat it. So, which which is fine. It works for me. Right. But, but it's funny is that like I'll have friends come over. They're like, "Well, oh, we're going to church house. She won't have it to bring your own." <laughs> so I got a reputation not having any food in my house. Aw, that's okay. Reminds me of a story um, from my parents a couple of years back. Um, we were just in the middle of harvesting everything basically and um, mom had just gone through and got in a bunch of carrots and cleaned them all and put them in the fridge and um, dad comes in and opens the fridge and says there's no food in here because <laughs> it's filled up with carrots yeah. I understand there's no that. is what he meant but uh, yeah, yeah we, we still have a few carrots out in the garden but we we've had three big bags of carrots that kind of got shuttled from one fridge to the other because we were having trouble finding room for them. But we've been eating lots of carrots, so they're almost all gone. Carrots. Carrots. Mm, they're good. I like them. Me too. Those are my main vegetable, really. I keep buying them because they're easy to deal with for lunches and things. I just take one and eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have a... Peppers are good, too. I picked a bunch of peppers yesterday. I have a sad carrot story. The grocery store where we shop keeps track of what sad carrot stores. They keep track of what we buy a lot of, and then they send us coupons for them. So we keep getting coupons for baby carrots. Well, we don't eat the baby carrots. We bought them for the bunny, and we go through two bags a month because the bunny got baby carrots every day, and then the bunny died. So we keep getting coupons for baby carrots, and then we get sad because we don't have the bunny anymore. So, yeah. It is pretty sad. We miss our bunny. He was a good bunny. Uh Uh-oh. Scorpius, you know, I love this. Um, Albus goes in and he he makes a, he goes into the kitchen and makes a, a calming drought, but he goes to his locker and stuff. And I, hey, you made it back. (laughs) Yeah, continue. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. My faulty internet. Yeah, I I totally understand because I went through it. Unplug your router and plug it back in. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> if you drop yeah, again, try doubt, turning re- it on and off again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Works for <laughs> ours. When in doubt, reboot. And that's what I have to do when I get. That's what I have to do when it comes to my Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to watch the last twenty minutes of one of the Doctor Who's last night. The one where he's regenerating. So I think we're losing ten. I'm very sad. I like ten. Mm-hmm. My He's still my favorite. Mm-hmm. I haven't really watched a lot of Eleven. I watched probably uh, 
three quarters of a season or so, but not like concurrently. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have to catch up if I'm going to do the whole big um, major thing they're doing in a month or two. But, yeah, I know. I was thinking that too. I got to catch up so I can watch it. But anyway, November 23rd, I think. So anyhow, I just thought it was funny that they call it a locker, that Bart calls it a locker instead of his trunk. Because normally you think of them keeping their ingredients and their stuff in their trunks. But that was just me. I guess the Hufflepuffs have lockers, apparently. I guess. He's, he's in the bunk room. You know what that is? Um, that's what they call it in the military, is a foot locker. And they call mm-hmm. it a locker. So that's it true. Be, that's true. It could be that. It could be that. Good thinking. Thank you. <laughs> so Albus, he brews himself a calming drought and, and stashes them in his pocket so he can take them and be calm and keep his anger under control. And Scorpius comes in and apologizes to, for snapping. And Albus says, it's okay. And, and my offer's open. If you want to borrow my broom, you can. And Scorpius says, you don't get it, do you? And Albus is like, no, I don't understand. He says, I don't have much of a family left anymore, but I'm still a Malfoy, and Malfoys find their own way. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. And Albus thinks about it. I like that he takes a minute to consider what he's, what he's told, and then he says, it must be really lonely to be a Malfoy. Yeah. And, and then mm-hmm. Scorpius walks out. And meanwhile, Albus is feeling very mellow mm-hmm. for the next day or two. Even when he gets hexed, his hair gets turned green, and uh, James and Fred turn his hair green and write the next Dark Lord on him. He doesn't really care. And then he catches his sleeve on fire with potions, and then he's like, oh, hey, it's on fire. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and Scorpius is like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, nothing. Why Why do you ask? <laughs> Scorpius looks at him flabbergasted. <laughs> So, and then they have flying. I wondered if there was going to be some odd things like this because he, he said he was brewing one that had longer term effects. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pet sitting this week, and the the person's going to be gone all day, and the pet's going to be in a crate, and so she's really wanting to make sure I remember. And then they oh, changed my hours so that I'm supposed to get off an hour later that day, and I said I can't. I'm sorry, I have to get off on time. Because I've promised this person I will go and let their dog out. You're not that dog. You're such a good husband. I am. <laughs> hey, I love to get paid to go edit podcasts. I get to go sit with the dog and edit a podcast. Make some money. So that works out just fine for me. So I'm drawing a garage. You're drawing a garage? That sounds like yeah. fun. Yeah, not really. That's what my <laughs> brother says when he's working on our garage. So I totally understand. So are you drafting it? Oh, cool. That's what I do for a living. I didn't realize that you were dra- So are you a drafts person, or are you like my brother who puts in the... Um, sorry, I'm going to sidetrack the podcast here. He doesn't do the drafting part of it. He puts in the parts that, you know, this has to be a load-bearing wall, and this is where the light switches go, and this is where the lights go, and this is... He does that. So it's like a, a sidestep to a drafts person? I don't know what it's called. I, I am a drafts person. Okay. Yeah, you, you and my brother would get along famously. Yep. <laughs> well, that's cool. I didn't realize that's what you did. That's exciting. Yep, that's what I do. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Oh. Mm-hmm. And what were you going to say, Scott? 
I was just going to say, um, if your phone call got recorded, I'm not sure if this will have come through properly, but uh, while you were gone, uh, Jenny was saying we um, we all agree that it's a relief that um, this whole calming draft thing doesn't go on very long because, fortunately, his friends are fairly easily able to see something's up and uh, Scorpius put the stop to it, at least for the moment. Yes, they stage an yeah. intervention. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't like go on forever because mm-hmm. you know what? I think I probably would have stopped reading it. I mean, yeah, everybody gets a, especially a first year. Hard to say that, but it's kind of a little, mm-hmm. yeah, impl- sorry, it's a little implausible for me. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jenny? Oh, I was just going to say that um, I like that it doesn't go on too long, but, like, if it did go on longer, I see how it could have been good, like, it could have worked. Like, I don't think it would have been implausible, especially if, like, he has all these issues. I, I can see why he could get addicted yeah. to basically Valium mm-hmm. of the wizarding world. Yeah, I could see that, but it's, yeah. it's okay. a bit too intense for a first year. It's a bit intense. Yeah. I can see this happening. I mean, I can see him going back to it, like when he starts doing newts and owls and stuff like that. And yeah. Trying to do it then. Mm-hmm. And he's going, oh, it could be yeah, like I remember a... back at the first. <laughs> yeah. It could be like very good foreshadowing for a bad problem in the future, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Scott, do you remember the story that we read that had somebody addicted to potions like that? I can remember that it was a story about being addicted, but I can't remember who it was and what it was for. Um, I'm not sure. And it may... I believe there was that there was like the witch sharpening potion or something like that that helped you study better, but it was doing weird things. And I've also read stories where dreamless sleep can be addictive, but I don't know if I've read one where someone actually was. Oh, I remember um, yeah. there was one that they... Something, um... Oh, oh, yeah, for for them to study to keep them off. It was like a no-dose or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's what we need, no-dose potions. I made a potion and last night. And then they night. had all of their people, yeah. you know, awake for a week and then they went nuts or something <laughs> yeah, <that>. like that. <laughs> I drank fig leaf tea to try to keep my cough suppressed. And it worked really oh, yeah? well while I was drinking the tea, but once I got done with the tea, I started coughing again. So, yeah, I I find that with um, things like that, uh, like when I have a, a sore throat or something, uh, it's soothing to drink like tea with honey or uh, hot water with lemon or things like mm-hmm. that. But as soon as you stop drinking anything, it comes back. Yeah. yeah. Or even um, I even find like if I'm having a meal or something, if I'm eating or drinking, the sore throat will sort of back off. And then once you stop doing something else with your throat, it's back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, cooking is what, cooking, eating is what sets me off with the coughing. If I eat something, then for a while afterwards, I just start coughing. But knock on wood, mm, yeah, the cough syrup seemed to have helped. And just because we've been talking about potions and things like that, uh, this weekend, I also went apple pressing, like I said, and <gasps> one of the people brought 20-year-old Applejack whiskey. Oh! Wow. It was amazing. It was so smooth. You could There was no alcohol flavor to it at all. It was just... And he said, this has a real kick, and I was driving, so I maybe drank a... Uh, 
like a NyQuil dose of the stuff. I had I had three or four servings, but I only put it like a, a quarter of an inch in, in my cup each time because I didn't want to get too much since I knew I had to drive home. But um, it was it was delightful. And to tell you how spoiled my dog is, she rode in the cab with me, and I put mom in the back of the pickup truck. <gasps> it was her idea. The dog would have freaked. I don't care. <laughs> and then we went down to my brother's, and he said, you know it's illegal to ride in the back of the truck, right? And we were like, no. <laughs> Good job. So, no. I don't know. I'm bad. We're way on course. All right. Where were we? <laughs> so they've stayed. We were talking about. Um, an intervention. He's. Yes, he's yeah. woken up the next morning, and Scorpius is staring at him, and he's like, uh, what's going on? And Scorpius has gone through his stuff and found his common grabs and taken them. Mm-hmm. And he's really mad at first. What, you know, what gives you the right to rummage through my locker? And Scorpius says, you are my only friend. And I like this. It says, for once, he dropped the cold arrogance, and he looks scared. You're my only friend, and something's really wrong with you. I wanted to know what. And Albus says, I need that potion. And he says, no, you don't. Rose is out there and something is wrong. And then, and I was like, why? And they said, because we want Albus back. You're not Albus anymore. You're a mindless and fury when you're on this stuff. And Albus just loses it. He curls up into a ball and he has what feels kind of like a panic attack, only worse. And he just starts crying and he can't stop. And Scorpius has no idea what to do with him. I mean, Scorpius is the only child. He doesn't have any idea how to, to deal with something like this. So he is very smart and goes and gets Rose. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. And Albus tells them everything. Tells them about the dragon and threatening Uncle Charlie and hitting him and his anger and his dreams and all of that. And they're just shocked. And they don't know what to say. And they said, okay. And I love Rose. Give me a swig of that calming drought, Scorpius. I think I need it. And that sets them off, and they all start giggling. And then, Which helps. Yeah, course. that really relieves the tension. So that's good. And they and then they make him boil out, mm-hmm. which she does mostly. Mostly, yeah. He's got one. And I like Rose. If you ever abuse calming droughts again, I will tell your parents. I don't care if you hate me. I want you safe. So. Oh, I know. And then she just looks at Scorpius and he's like, what? Oh, yeah, uh, uh, don't do that. Uh, we don't like it. <laughs> and then Dominique comes running in and says, where have you been? Why are you skiving off classes? Grandpa Weasley's been rushed to St. Mungo's with chest pain. We have to go. And so. Oh, this is hysterical. It Not is pretty hysterical. funny. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just realized what I said. I'm like, whoops. It's hysterical <laughs> that Arthur's having chest pain? That's terrible. But it what is, is wrong I know. with you? <laughs> I know. After I said that, I'm like, oh, that's not yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is funny. They, they all head off to, um, they, you know, go blank and this is terrible. And they run off to St. Mungo's. And um, they're just kind of sitting in the waiting room trying to figure out what's going to happen. And... Uh, Albus is kind of distracting himself by watching his cousins because mm-hmm. uh, Lily and Hugo and Louis, or Louis, I'm not sure which way they would do it, are apparently very entertaining to contrast to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like a TV show. 
Lily is the ultimate optimist. She's just being teary about everything and uh, brushing her hair. And uh, Cousin Hugo is uh, wondering if they've picked out the family plot and would he suffer as he's dying horribly. Um, and uh, Louis is... Uh, so I probably would have killed, uh, killed him by now. <laughs> nice robes for the funeral because mm-hmm. uh, he's the best looking Weasley boy apparently and, yeah and he'll look really be, uh, good in black mm-hmm. this would be Bill and Flora's son mm-hmm. and then we have Percy come out I think it's Percy come out and say oh no it's not Percy because it's all eyes on her it's oh. Audrey Percy's wife oh Audrey comes out and says does anyone know where your granddad got a hold of a haggis and they all go it was all indigestion and heartburn. Yep. <laughs> you know what? I had indigestion so bad that I, it felt like there was an elephant on my chest. Mm-hmm. I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh, you talk about that could be that's painful and scary. Yep. Yeah. And I love that Molly's in there just giving him what for. You saw a muggle vendor on the street and you had to have some? What were you thinking? <laughs> Sorry, dear. You scared the shit out of us. But since everybody's there, and Charlie probably won't be around again, I think we should all go to the borough and visit and have some lunch. And so instead of going back to school, they all go to the borough and they mm-hmm. have some lunch. And, of course, Charlie is the center of attention because Charlie's always the center of attention. Because Charlie mm-hmm. doesn't not come there home. very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this really worked out quite well for them. You know, um, Granddad has heartburn, and you get a day off school. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, Uncle Bill starts off with this harmless little question: "Are you surprised to be back in England before Christmas, Charlie?" And Charlie says, "Well, this is the second time this week because I was." teaching my nephew how to play Quidditch. And everybody looks at Charlie in shock. And then he... (laughs) And apparently Percy is quite the gambler, which is kind of an interesting idea for Percy. Because he seems like he would be in too much of control to be a gambler. Mm. Well, I think it's an interesting character thing to have Mm -hmm. him have this one vice of being a gambler. I kind of like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently it I mostly relates it. to his daughters. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I could see it being more of a proud factor being for his daughters than anything else. Not like he just goes out, it goes to to the water, it goes to and um, hits the point slots and stuff like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think Percy bets on the synchronized flying brigade or anything. And Aww. Probably just when his, when his daughters are involved. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie puts out a bet. He says, I've got six galleons that say that Albus can outfly any student here. And, of course, Percy has to take that bet. And Albus is like, shut up, Charlie. But it doesn't work. And then they extend it. And and Albus is like, I need my calming draft. And, of course, uh, it's no longer in his pocket. It's it. Cool. Well, Rose kind of took it. She knew he had it. Rose picked his pocket at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And 
So he's like, okay, it's okay. I only have to face one girl and then they up the odds and he's got to face both of them. But <laughs> there's two things here I love about this part. It's first of all, he thinks about a badger and that badgers don't make the challenge, but they do their best to meet it. And so that's his first thought. And then the second thing is once he starts flying and he realizes he's in trouble, is he really analyzes and problem solves. And I love this about him, that he's really thinking and figuring out what he needs to do and stuff like that. And he doesn't just do it here. He does it throughout the story. And I just think that's a really neat thing to watch him, you know, problem solve. Yeah. He's he's different to Harry like that. Like, Harry mm-hmm. just rushes in and does stuff. Albus really thinks about it. Well, like Harry's a Gryffindor. Harry's a Gryffindor. That's what Gryffindors do. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. They just go in headstrong sometimes. They don't think the problem out. And, Sorry to say that. Uh, and the twins, I love these girls. They have gum in their mouth constantly, and they actually have a charm that they use that deflects the wind around them when they fly so they can blow bubbles. Uh, you know. Fantastic. That is quite an addiction that these two have. Somebody needs to do an intervention for them <laughs> with gum. Gum okay, withdrawal. Who, 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 mm-hmm. who thought about um, Violet Beauregard? Yep, Willy Wonka. And Charlie, the, <laughs> Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm like, I think they should put the time here. <laughs> What this is? My gum, it's gum! Wrong! It's the most amazing, fabulous, sensational gum in the whole world. What's so fat about it? This little piece of gum is a three-course dinner. Bull! No, roast beef, but I haven't got it quite right yet. I don't care. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't. So long as it's gum, then that's for me. (laughs) We'll have to worry if she starts blowing up like a grape. So... Oh, a blueberry. Yeah, that's it. Blueberry. So he's flying and he's realizing that they're ahead of him and that he's going to have some trouble and he's thinking about it and he's like, okay, they're competitive, they're sisters and momentum. And he's thinking about it and he's like, I'm going to slow down and make them think that they don't have to worry about me and then they'll hopefully start competing with each other and give me a way in. So he slows down, and they realize that he's far away, and they kind of forget about him. And then he speeds up and whips around the corner and heads back. And he's, you know, by the time they realize he's almost caught up with them, he's just about on them. And he can't go. And, and I love this because I do the, the, this, the little song with my kids. And it's, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. I guess I'll go through it. And that's basically what he figures out. If he goes any Going of those, lion yep, any of those directions, he he's going to lose momentum. But if he goes through, then he might do it. And so he just leans forward and hopes for the best and splits between them and mm-hmm. wins by a hair. Yeah, the front of his broom shaft just barely pokes ahead by the time they make it across the line. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, and, everybody uh, cheers. Char- Char- but- they have a little moment between him and Charlie, and he says, well, you know, sorry for embarrassing you, but I had to get the price of this broom back somehow, and you know, I'm really proud. And he said, can you be a little less proud from now on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And uh, apparently Arthur uh, also has a weakness for the fish and chips vendor down by the Thames. But don't tell Molly. Don't tell Gr- Yeah, don't tell Molly. That'd be bad. <laughs> She'll yell at me some more. Yeah. So, 
And then we move on to Quidditch tryouts and other tragedies. And mm. <laughs> they sign up for the tryouts and go down to breakfast. And of course, Albus is just ripping up. Oh, well, first of all, the owls come and uh, Knox brings a package from home and. Got some chaser gloves. Yeah, chaser gloves. There we go. Mom and dad. And then Scorpius's owl brings a package, which is weird. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a howler, and this is the first time he's had a package. And so he eventually opens it, and he's got seeker gloves. And he immediately assumes, oh, this is something that Harry has pulled some strands and got him some gloves. Mm-hmm. So he tosses them at Albus and walks out. And uh, Albus reads a letter that came with it, and it's not from Harry. It's from uh, the Puddle Near United Seeker, who's apparently one of the best around at, at this point, and because he's heard that no one connected to the Potters is allowed to help Scorpius, and since he isn't, he thought he'd uh, send these along. Also, I guess the Malfoys own stock in Puddle Near. Uh, of course they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rose is like, well, these seem like really nice gloves. I wonder why Scorpius ran off. And as much as Albus has panic attacks and these anger issues that he's having, Scorpius is also having issues. He is, you know, a Malfoy, and I have to do it on my own, and nobody better help me. And he is not going to accept anything from anybody. And, you know, he's basically going to cut off his nose to spite his face because I'm a Malfoy, damn it, and you can't make me, you can't help me. Which is silly. Yeah. Oh, you just made me think of something. What? I can't remember it now. (laughs) (laughs) Mine like a steel trap has our Trisha. (laughs) Sorry, that was mean. So Albus. Uh, It was completely off topic anyhow. Okay. Carry on. Carry on. Okay. Albus sends a note to his dad and, you know, asks if he knows where the gloves came from. And he uh, gets a a letter back and it says, you know, dear Al, this. Sorry, you all got really loud by accident. Like, oh. loud. <laughs> I thought maybe I missed Florian. the middle of a couple of Yeah, we, we all have been sort of cutting in and out, but it works. Dear Albus, well, I'm glad that someone has taken an interest in encouraging Scorpius. You're right. It wasn't me or your mom. I don't have time to figure out on the letter's origin, but whoever wrote it knew that the Potters aren't allowed to give Scorpius any aid. And second, these are a really nice gift. They're very highly priced and expensive, and he deserves something good. So I hope he will use them. I bet your mommy did something for him. Maybe. That's, that's my Maybe. Or, or Gran. Mm-hmm. Just like that's just I could have uh, pulled a few springs. Mm-hmm. Or, or, the, um, or aunt, his new aunt. Yeah. I could see I could see Andromeda doing something like that quietly. Although Andromeda Andromeda might she, want more. Uh, she could be considered connected to the Potters, though. That's Ooh, true. Yeah, that's... But yeah, she's not really. Although Teddy, yeah. yeah, it's true. At any rate, Albus uh, hands this letter over to Scorpius, and he says, "Oh well, okay. I guess I'll take the gloves." Basically. Oh, what he says is, do you ever get tired of always being right? And Alba says, well, I haven't so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Rose is now mad at the two of them, but finally she breaks the silence and says, is everything jolly and well good now? And 
Scorpion says, Malfoys don't do jolly. And she says, not even for Christmas? And that sets them off. So then they start giggling again. When you just did that, now I'm I'm imagining Scorpius as Batman. <laughs> Batman? Why Batman? Yes, because yeah. he doesn't do jolly. Ah, <laughs> just, just the way you said it, it sounds like his, you know, yeah. I'm serious all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Very serious. Now, you gotta talk like this. <laughs> did you did anybody have anybody seen like the greatest dad in the world he dresses up like batman the whole entire time well like he always has his head he talks to his kids because yes eat your vegetables no can it and then like he sees his wife and he goes coffee and she screams he goes did i scare you <laughs> i mean it's hysterical he has the batman hat on the mask the whole entire time when he does it. It's hysterical. I love it. Okay. I have not <laughs> seen this. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds okay. funny. Okay. Movie recommendations from Trisha. Oh, it was a YouTube thing. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost Jenny again. I was wondering, all of a sudden, it, I thought, I haven't seen Jenny again. They go down, and there's lots of people trying out, uh, mostly for Chaser. There's only a few people, four, I think, for uh, Seeker. And so they decide to do that first. Mm-hmm. There's lots of them. Yeah, and they she just lets the snitch go and says, all right, whoever catches it first gets it. And even though Scorpius is on this twigger that's slower than anything, he's faster to the snitch. And Albus is slightly surprised because it's the broom's faster than he thought it would be, too, which I'm sure is the whatever charms the professor put on it really kind of does help. And then we go, and she says, okay, now you guys have to get a goal in past our keeper. And if you can get a goal in past our keeper, then you'll win the position. And so everybody tries, but Roderick's big, and he's kind of scary looking, and he's... I found it. I see that, but I'm not going to look at it right now. And he, you know, kind of intimidates people away from it, but... Scorpius tries, or not Scorpius, Albus tries, and and he's feeling bad because Diana, who's the team captain, kind of thinks that since he's a first year, he's no good, and he... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she um, she leaves him to almost last and says, well, you know, might as well go ahead. I still have to assign reserves, and he gets mad again, mm-hmm. and so he's determined to really do this, and uh, he's not scared of Roderick anymore, and he just whips his room around and smacks the quaffle into Roderick's hand and mm-hmm. uh, apparently breaks his hand. So I guess it counts as a success, even though it doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, uh... Yeah. She looks at him and says, nice shot, and says, he, he says, it didn't go in, and she says, well, since you broke his hand, I think we're going to make an exception. Welcome to the team. And, of course, Albus is immediately contrite. I'm sorry. Is he going to be okay? And she's like, ah, don't worry about it, Mouth Pumphrey. I'll have him sorted out in just a minute. Then we, we meet Cornelius, or Corny, who's pretty much of a git, although he's a good flyer. And mm-hmm. He was Seeker last year, but he didn't really do very well. So now he's been, they've sort of bumped him up to be one of the chasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only snitch he ever caught was because it got caught in his robes and he freaked out like a little girl and thought he was being attacked. So he's uh, and he's afraid of bludgers and things, so he's not a very good 
seeker at all. He'd probably be better at the um, like synchronized uh, flying team. Yeah, he probably yeah. would be. What were you saying, Trisha? I was going to say he doesn't sound like a really good chaser either. No. He doesn't like fludgers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we have Violet and Valencia, who are the beaters, and they're apparently the most penalized team of beaters in the school history. They like to hurt people, and mm-hmm. they're apparently related to Crumb somehow or another. They, they come from theory. Belarus, and uh, Diana thinks he brought them because they've been kicked out of all the Europeans. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, uh, yeah, so they're, but they're kind of fun in, in, in their own little way. And so they finally head out and, uh, Rose is waiting for them and she's all upset. It's awful. And I don't know how he and Fred do it, did it. And you know, they're not innocent, but they must've found a way to sneak around. And I was like, what are you talking about, Rose? And she says, your parents told James that if he made it to the end of last year with no more detentions, they'd get him a broom if he made Quidditch. And I was just like, yeah, so, well, he made Quidditch, and they gave him a Skybolt. Jenny's mm-hmm. back with lots of feedback. Jenny, where are you? Hi. There you are. Hey, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped again. That's okay. If you, when you drop it. to me all the time when we started doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's totally, <laughs> totally normal. We're just talking about the new Skybolt that James has. And he oh, has... lucky, lucky James. Yes. In Gryffindor Red. Of course it is. And it's a, yeah. the prototype. And, of course, Scorpius knows about it because he was talking about it in earlier in this story, about how cool a Skybolt is and how, you know, neat it was until Albus told him about his dad's Firebolt. And then he's like, oh, those are the best. And, and I know this is a bit of a spoiler, but if I'm remembering correctly, Firebolt's feature later on in this story. Hmm. So, yeah. And I believe we heard when they were talking about this that these are synthetic. So that means they go faster, but they don't have yes. the new, uh, which is almost exactly the opposite of what we heard about the twig that mm-hmm. Scorpius is flying. Yeah, the twigger. So. It'll be really interesting when James and Scorpius are up against each other, which we have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Mm-hmm. And we move on to Chapter 15. The beginning of Chapter 15 is um, basically a little bit of a scene, but basically it starts with things that... Diana, the Hufflepuff captain, has handed out to all the players that she... Okay, he's really breaking up for me. Yeah, he's breaking up for me, too. I didn't know that was just me. It comes together when he when he talks, so there's silence. Uh, highlights are. And he, then he can't hear us. <laughs> You're breaking what? up, Scott. Cool. This is basically oh, what, This is basically what we hear. Uh, it's basically the highlights that Diana has put together. So, which works fine in editing because I can put I can put them together with truncating it and it, and it works. But it's kind of funny when we're listening to you because you are. I see. So, yes, she is a Ravenclaw at heart. Here, she has done all of this research on the other teams, and she has very thorough notes that she has given them and told them that they need to memorize. She is the she mm-hmm. is the Oliver Wood. Mm-hmm. Female Oliver Wood. Yes. Yes, she is. So yeah. and I don't think we need to go through it all, but just know that we have a book about all of the different people. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like what she mm-hmm. says Basically, about James. The, the Ravenclaws um have 
a lot of complicated plays that they like to do, and their various players have specialties. These basically like to beat everybody up, and they got a lot of penalties last time that the met the Slytherins. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the Gryffindors are by the Weasleys were awesome up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what she says about James. James is another unknown, but Merlin, who cares if he's good? He's got a ruddy sky bolt. <laughs> hmm So, and he, apparently they've recruited Dominique as the third uh, Weasley, or the third Weasley on the team, yeah. and uh, the third chaser. And they think that's really weird because she can't stand Fred or James. Right. And so something's going on there. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, move on to some classes, and I, the girls in history are kind of putting out a petition to give the vampire more freedom. They call themselves (laughs) hemophiliacs. And Albus Albus is just aghast at them. Are you mental? He drained a lot of you like a butterbeer. And they're like, do you really think so? Do you really think so? And and they swoon. And Albus is just like, they're really mental. Yeah, he is kind of a romantic, you know, poor blood-sucking fiend of the night, of course. Yes. Uh. Yeah. And, of course, everybody loves herbology, especially these guys. And Hmm. Cormac Collins seems to be Longbottom's favorite student, and he's got a – he seems to really know what's going on. And pretty soon he's got all these really neat little – plants growing in in the common room and next to his bed and stuff so he's he's a, he's got a green thumb mm-hmm. he's a young neville it's kind of like how neville used to be yeah and and the french girls are giving albus advice and they they told him that the hufflepuff colors yellow with black trim aren't as stylish as if they were using black robes with yellow trim and he passes that on but Diana doesn't seem to care, so he doesn't think anything else of it. Mm-hmm. So, and Scorpius is still getting howlers quite often, but they're getting really good at muffling them, so nobody else can hear them. So that works out. And and, and defense class is still really boring. Mm-hmm. They don't touch their wand; they just sort of read the book all the time. And I'm kind of with um, Trisha here. I I don't think necessarily that he's the bad bad guy, but I suspect he's not as boring as they think he is. Mm. There's just something, I don't know, there's just something to miss. I just don't know what it is yet. Well, since I know, I'll just sit here and be quiet. (laughs) I think I know. It's been a long time since I've read this, so hopefully what I'm remembering is correct. Mm -hmm. Bye. So he is starting a dueling club, and he's told everybody that they can come, even if they're not very good, and he'll pair people up with a, someone that matches them skill-wise. And so, yeah. so he's sort of going to do the practical half of the class as the dueling club mm-hmm. instead of part of the class. Yep. And, of course, our three immediately want to sign up. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. And Rose and yep. Scorpius kind of pair off immediately when they get there, and Cormac and Gas are together, and Albus is kind of left standing by himself. Everybody's afraid of him because they know that his wand is really powerful, and he's just about getting sent out to sit when a voice calls out, I'll pair up with Potter, and he turns around and he sees Liam Donovan, 
And Albus mm-hmm. is like, I'll sit out, it's fine. But of course, the professor. Like, before, I didn't. Um, I, I don't know in the beginning. Completely. So I don't remember if we're supposed to know who that is. He was at the beginning. Sorting. He has gray, some kind of weird grayish hue to him or something. There's something else about him. He's not a leprechaun like the other kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, was he so, the one that uh, Albus thought was for sure going to be a Slytherin and wound up in Ravenclaw? Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's just something different about him. But the only time we've seen him is right at the sorting, and I can't remember exactly what we saw there. I have to go back and look in a minute. Professor starts showing him different things, and he's going to teach him Expelliarmus. And Liam just kind of stands there, and so Al- or so Albus just kind of stands there, and then the professor says, okay, you guys practice on each other. And it's like, okay. And then Liam turns his hair, and he's got creepy eyes. And he, yeah. he's just, he's kind of a creepy guy. Mm-hmm. He's got silver hair. And let's see, I've, I'm finding the... He's what, Trisha? Maybe part banshee. Mm. So there it is. behind some behind some unpleasant looking girls and boys who had that Slytherin scowl, there was one small boy in the back leaning against the wall with prematurely silver hair, his eyes glimmered like shiny sickles. He looked up at Albus like he knew he was being watched, and a cold smile curled his lips. Albus quickly looked back to the front, vowing never to cross that boy if he could be helped. Okay. I think that's all we've seen of him was mm-hmm. that, and then he got sorted into Ravenclaw. Right. Yeah. So he says, prepare to duel, Potter. And Potter's like, no, we're just disarming each other. And he says, no, this is a dueling club. I'm going to duel. And yeah. Albus is like, no, 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 somebody could get hurt. And he says, you might get hurt. Defend yourself. And he gets ready to duel, and Albus wants to call for help but he knows he won't manage it and he kind of remembers rose and her protego from the incident with the rogue bludgers so he protegos himself and liam just starts letting loose and he tries impedimenta and all these different spells and hexes and jinxes and they're bouncing off the shield and kind of going everywhere and the students have gathered around and Rose and Scorpius are trying to help Al, but he, they can't get close to him. And finally, Albus is like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm, and he, you know, he's getting mad, which we know he has trouble yeah. with. And he's like, I am he's going, abetting. yeah, I'm going to drop my shield, blast him with a reducto on the floor in front of him. Disarm him with Expelliarmus, and then I'm going to walk through the rubble and point both wands in his face and demand he yield. And he kind of smiles because he's getting ready to do this thing. And just as he's going to do it, Professor disarms Liam and says, you know, basically class dismissed. And you guys are going with me to the headmaster's office. And Albus is kind of dejected because he's like, I didn't do anything but protect myself. Why am I in trouble? Mm-hmm. But he's also worried about what he might have done mm-hmm. if he hadn't stopped him mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What am I becoming, he's thinking to himself. And then it's also, do I like what I'm becoming? And so mm-hmm. we have a bunch of teachers in the office along with uh, the two kids and Chacklebolt. And Chacklebolt's like, okay, what are we going to do with these kids? We have two students that are danger to themselves and other students, and whether they want to or not, they've just made themselves targets because now everybody's going to want to, you know, make a name for themselves 
by going up against them, which... It's like yeah. the big man. It's like the little man and the big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing. Yeah. You gotta make, make a name. So, uh, Professor Flint yeah. says, let's confiscate their wands. And Professor Bass says, no, we've just got, you know, Mr. Potter to be able to work with his wand. If you guys take it away from him, then he'll you know, not be able to advance. And he was the one attacked. And Albus, and, and I, you know, he's a Hufflepuff. He sees the other boy looking at the floor and, you know, he's got one of his creepy boy moments, but then he also realizes that Liam figures that no one's going to defend him. Somebody's already defended Potter, but nobody's going to defend Liam, which, I mean, you kind of yeah. can see because he was the attacker, but yeah. Albus does speak up and he says, you know, if the professor hadn't interfered, I might have attacked back and I might have really hurt him. I'm a little worried about the anger that's inside of me and what I could have done with that. And somebody says, how did a first year learn all these spells? And I'm, you know, kind of with Scott here. Good question. I think that this guy's not a student. I think he's older than, I mean, I think he's an adult that is somehow not been schooled and has come for schooling. And he's maybe oh 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 gills. Maybe he's one of the vampire vampire children from Twilight. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Probably not. He he's gray, not sparkly. Well, we haven't seen him in the sunlight. It was a, it was dark. That's true. That's true. So that would yeah, be an interesting twist. It would be an interesting twist. Yes. Um, <laughs> It will be interesting. I don't remember about him. So what I, whatever I'm saying, I'm saying uh, completely without remembering what happens with him in the story. So I'm not, like, foreshadowing anything because I don't remember. But I, that's just kind of the feeling I'm getting, that he's somehow he's older than than he he seems to be or he was like homeschooled and had never gone to school before. And that's why he knows maybe he's a son of a death eater or something like that, that nobody's letting on. I don't know, but I think there's something going on here. Yep. So basically what they've decided to do is they're going to confiscate their wands. They're going to assign each to a professor to work with them. And once the professor that is assigned to them feels that they are capable and ready to have their wands back without causing mischief, they'll get them back. And the word will go out that since they will be wandless between classes, nobody better mess with them because if you mess with them, the headmaster is going to come down hard on you. Liam. So Professor Patil um, speaks up to um, mentor Liam, mm-hmm. and it looks like Professor Farrell is going to speak up to volunteer for Albus, and Albus is ima- imagining, oh, great, I'm going to have days of extra dull, boring book lessons, and says, uh, can I have Professor Longbottom, please? <laughs> Pretty please. Give me Uncle Neville. <laughs> yeah. So Chacobald agrees with this and says... I'm going to let the professors determine your schedule, and and they're going to take the wands, and if you don't follow their instructions, you will be expelled. That's it. And they nod and turn to leave. 
And Albus has to know, why did you attack me? And Liam kind of looks at him and he says, at the sorting, you were the only one of the sheep that realized there was a wolf in your midst. And someday I might need someone to stop me. And I needed to know if you were the one, which is part of the reason that I think that there's something more there, you know, that's why I think he's older and, and stuff like that. And we move on. Mm-hmm. Something going on, definitely. Mm-hmm. And into chapter 16, The Badger and the Snake. So some sort of Slytherin interaction in this chapter, perhaps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Albus is still kind of thinking about Liam and how come I'm his nemesis and all of that. And why does he think somebody might need to stop him? And he's kind of thinking about all these things as he gets... And all of a sudden, he hears this voice. And Snape has come through all the portraits to talk to him. <laughs> and Albus is like, mm-hmm. Professor Snape. And Snape, of course, is like, <laughs> how very observant of you. And he, mm-hmm. he's had to endure all manner of niceties to get through all the other paintings, which I think is really funny. Yes. You know, Especially I mean, the Order of the like Scourgifying Mickey. Sisters reunion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they you know, you, you know he hates to do that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the beginning of this, just uh, before you continue on, is reminding me of another book that I'm reading or have read that was basically a humor story mm-hmm. where I forget what it was that happened to – there's something about Harry being raised differently, I believe. Uh, I think it was Harry. It could have been an X-Gen one as well, but it was uh, written to sort of point out all the cliches and things, and apparently – the whole thing about on the train you meet your best friend and your nemesis is uh, enshrined in wizarding culture in this story. And uh, I think it was, the reason I think it was Harry is, uh, I think it was um, Zachariah Smith decides he's going to be his nemesis uh, because I think he I think he may be friends with Draco in this version. I can't remember. But uh, Zachariah Smith wants to be his nemesis, and Harry's like, uh, I don't need a nemesis. What are you talking about? And just ignores him all the time. And Zacharias keeps trying to come up with up to him and going, ha-ha, Potter, I've got you now. And Harry's like, yeah, whatever. And it's just uh, <laughs> terribly annoying to him because his nemesis refuses to be his nemesis and it's just not working. What's he supposed to do now? I know that story. I'm reading that one, too, or I've just finished it. I can't remember what it's called, but I remember this. <laughs> so. Anyway. Back to the one we're actually covering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Rose and Scorpius are away. Oh, well, so Snape wants to know, why did your father name you after me? And mm-hmm. Albus thinks of several things, some mean and malicious, but he decides on the truth. And he says, actually, he's never talked much about you. I was worried about being a Slytherin, and he told me that I bore the name of two former headmasters of Hogwarts. One from Slytherin, and he was maybe the bravest man he ever knew. If you have any other questions, he has portraits in his aura office. Why don't you go talk to him? Good night. And Snape says, good night, Albus. And Albus stops. 
did Snape just call me by my first name? And he kind of turns around, and Snape is off through the portraits again. You can just see his his um, his robe just billowing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just like just wreaking havoc uh-huh. everywhere he goes. I can just see it. Yeah, makes me happy. <laughs> well, that's good. We like you, and you're happy. Don't lie to me. So it's billowing. And he's so engrossed in now his conversation with Snape, he's forgotten about being, you know, taken to the headmaster's office and everything. And he walks in to find Rose and Scorpius and the entire Quidditch team, minus Roderick, of course, waiting for them because they're afraid he's getting kicked off the team. And once he tells (laughs) them that he's not, they all leave and leave Rose and Scorpius. And Rose is very indignant on his behalf. Because, you know, his wand has been taken away and he didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. He attacked you. And Albus says, it's okay. You're talking to Chester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting dangerous and my wand makes me a target. I need to get control before I hurt somebody. And they give him kudos for a good shield charm. And Rose yeah. takes I wonder, I wonder where he heard that from. Mm-hmm. It was Rose. <laughs> yeah. And then he meets with Neville in the morning, and they decide that they're going to tutor on Friday evenings during the time that the dueling club's going on. So he's taken himself out of the dueling club. Mm -hmm. And he misses carrying his wand. And he's starting Neville does have it for him in all the classes. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, it sounds kind of weird, but sometimes, like, I understand they have an attachment, but I don't know why I never... It kind of reminds me of kind of like a Lord of the Ring kind of thing. Like, <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, just how he how he's reacting to this wand kind of thing. I well, don't I mean, I see how, like, Harry loves his wand. Everybody loves their wand and stuff like that. But it seems like more, it's like, it's not like a diary almost. It's like, it's possessing him. It's yeah. like. Well, and this wand is kind of special because it's got these, you know, the special runes and stuff on it. And, I think that maybe it's like almost a presence, the connection that they have. I hate to, to you know, say it like this, but it, it, they're, it's almost like a pet. You know, there's a connection there. And if it's not there, then you miss it. Does that make sense? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's, it's like um, it's their multi-tool. It's not like they're just... Um, carrying around a textbook or something is mm-hmm. what you use for doing everything. So It's like the doctor and the sonic screwdriver. He'd be lost without it. Yeah. Although apparently some versions of him didn't have one, but uh, that was earlier. Mm. So they did their own things. We have uh, October comes in and we've got Filch is chasing peas and Growltooth is creepy and He's apparently also uh, bribing's not the word I want. What's the word I want? Uh, blackmailing. Blackmailing other students. Thank you. And yeah. Quidditch is fun and exhausting, but also brutal. And you're right. Diana is an Oliver Wood. Really, really, mm-hmm. really. Die if you have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that what one of her practice techniques is to get the girls to just hit blunders at them and hope they avoid it. Yeah, so he's got all these nasty bruises all over him and stuff like that. He needs to get a hold of his Uncle George and get some bruise paste. Yeah. And the Slytherins have a haunted hut 
in one of the unused classrooms down in the dungeon. And apparently it's so terrible that it was shut down by complaints from Madame Pomfrey because she'd run out of her supply of Dr. Ubley's oblivious unction. So this is quite the haunted house. Now, I don't do haunted houses because I'm scared. But this sounds like it would uh, make me not sleep for a week. (laughs) And and even, uh, so, but Scorpius Gas and Cormac all went down on a dare. Albus chickened out. He was the smart one. And Gas and Cormac are just, like, terrified and pale when they come back. And they're like, you know, they talked the bloody Baron into helping them. And, oh, it was so scary. And Albus is, or Scorpius is just yawning. And Albus says, I take it you weren't impressed. And he said, I have three words. I had to stay with my Aunt Daphne and Uncle Mike. Three words. Pink, Ruffles, Pomeranians. Nothing conveys me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, like it, it in Tomboy Manor, didn't they have, I mean, the dungeon with all the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the swords and the, and the guillotines and, yeah. and stuff like that? We have... Uh... And then we move on into November, and it's come to the day of the first match against Slytherin. And Albus is once again very nervous. He tears mm-hmm. his toast into pieces, and he doesn't eat any of the sausage and bacon and things. And he gets two owls. One is from the family, wishing him good luck and uh, stop playing with your toast and eat something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like so he does. Can I have your room? Yeah. When you die. Clearly. It's okay. And he also gets the last will and testament of Albus, Albus Severus Potter that looks very official. I, Albus Severus Potter, being not of sound mind, do leave all my possessions to my more handsome and talented older brother, James, and my equally dashing and clever cousin, Fred, when I am reduced to unrecognizable paste by a team of rather large Slytherin thugs, signed the doomed. (laughs) Lovely. He he thinks it's kind of funny, but Rose is appalled on his behalf. Mm -hmm. So, and then, of course, uh, Scorpius gets a howler. And he says, yeah, Grandfather just wanted to wish me luck. Yeah. And they get down to the changing room, and the uniforms have been changed. And instead of wearing yellow robes, they are now wearing black robes with yellow highlights. And it makes them look even more intimidating. So there you go. mm -hmm. And they've all got their names on them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she tells... Turns out Diana listened to his advice after all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she tells. Might not pay. Might not seem like she. Yep, she's paid attention. Yeah. She tells Scorpius to watch out for Sloane's hands in his robes. That it seems it seems that the Slytherin keeps uh, uh, nightkeeper seeker is uh, notorious for grabbing hold of robes and slowing you down. The codeine's kicking in. I'm starting to get really loopy here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but I'm not coughing, so that's okay. And uh, she tells Violet and Valencia that they need to try not to kill anybody, which is good. <laughs> They're very disappointed about this. Mm-hmm. Or just try. Yeah. And uh, Albus, or James and and uh, Fred have a big banner, Albus Potter, rest in peace, and it's got a gravestone on it because, you know, they they know he's going to. So charming. Mm-hmm. They're, they're such loving. Yep. Crumb has the team captain shake hands and this great big Slytherin 
evil guy is going to smish, smush, yeah. Diana's hand in his, and Albus realizes that she's always squeezing a, a rubber ball, and so she has really, really strong hands, and he tries <laughs> to crush her hand, and it, she ends up pretty much crushing his. <laughs> Don't you mess with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like her. And, of course, our commentator is Victoire, who is more interested in the fashion and the family gossip than actually what's happening on the field. And she kind of it reminds me a little bit of Luna when Luna was, yeah. was doing it. She's actually quite quite funny in this. She's good fun. Good choice with the black. I always thought the yellow made them look pasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, don't. Capitate my cousin, cousin with that bludger. Be careful. <laughs> Seems that yep. Paige Hawkins has the quaffle. Her hair looks like a bird's nest. Honestly, she could do with some conditioner. <laughs> More, More quidditch. Love <laughs> it. It's you. I'm glad they, you know, there's kind of like the one thing I kind of like, uh, at least with all the commentators, they're not like, at least even sensible, they weren't like serious. Like, they got Luna Pete Saint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see, Jordan was always, he always got, he was a little off topic too. He's like, oh, I asked her, oh, she told me no. Yeah. Kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was always, it was always cute. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and they've got Flint keeping her in line, I guess, because he's a, Related to Quidditch players, I don't know. Mm. And the the idea is for Albus to throw the quaffle, even if he can't get it in, in such a way that the keepers are afraid of him because he's got a lot of power behind his throws. You know, he's broke their keeper's hand already. So he takes mm-hmm. a chance and he goes to score, and and basically he's just trying to scare the guy, but. It bounces off of him and goes into the the rings, and he scores. and And I love Victoire. Albus Potter scored. Oh dear me! I mean, Albus Potter scored twenty to zero Hufflepuff. I knew he had it in him, even though he's always been a sickly boy. To be honest, Miss Weasley, less family history, more Quidditch. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is just so cute. He is cute. But then he thinks, wow, that was a lucky shot. And he realizes that something's going on. And he's kind of watching the game, and he's realizing that there's good luck and bad luck happening. And he starts looking for Cormac. And he finds... Sorry, every time I hear his name, I know he's not the same Cormac, but I'm thinking, it's Cormac McLaggen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not the no, same one. No, he's not little enough to start leprechaun. No. And he he finds him. He's standing just inside the tunnel, staring at the players, and his lips are moving. And Albus thinks he sees a dark-robed figure just behind him, but the shape's gone. And Cormax collapses. And some older kids see him and go down to help, so he goes back to the game. And every time Malfoy tries to go after the snitch, the other seeker gets a hold of him and slows him down. To the point that even Victoire notices. There goes Malfoy again. Is his breaking charm malfunctioning? Uh-oh. I think we lost Jenny. He's back. Hey. I was telling you you could give up if you wanted to, but you came back anyhow. Yay. I'm determined. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. You must... Where were you up We are... Uh, Scorpius is trying to get the snitch, but every time he gets close to it... The other guy gets a hold of his uh, robes and stops him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Victor is announcing about this. 
you know, calls her for less pardon partisanship when she wants to know if Crumb's forgotten his whistle. And she's like, well, a very, very lucky pass by Leon Sloan, who seems to really like the back of Malfoy's robes since he seems to he can't keep his hands off him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so Violet and Valencia decide they're going to help, and they just, you know, send this barrage of bludgers at Sloan, and they finally get Scorpius clear of him, which is good. And finally, Malfoy sees the snitch, and he goes after it, and Sloane's going after him and reaches out to grab him, and Scorpius has had enough, and he just reaches out and grabs something, and he wraps his hand around the ring pole and slides down, followed by a plummeting Sloane because Sloane had grabbed a hold of him, and when Malfoy... When Scorpius, it's hard to say Scorpius instead of Malfoy for some reason, uh, let go of his broom and just slid down the pole. He kind of pulled Sloane with him, and then Sloane's, the gravity took over, and Sloane fell. Whoops. Thunk. Oopsie. Yeah, he deserved it. But Scorpius has the snitch. He does. He hands it to Crumb, and he very slowly mm-hmm. walks off the field. And... The Hufflepuffs are celebrating because they won 230. And Albus grabs the tombstone banner and soars around. And <laughs> that was good. Sorry. The puppy wants in on the podcast. Yeah, no, my roommate just came in and handed me my cat. Apparently, she'd been like complaining outside my door because I'd closed it. Aww. Because I wasn't paying enough attention to her. She's well, a big sook. I know. Monkey's head butt I don't know where mine is. He's locked out and he hasn't shown up. So they get to the uh, locker room and Rose lets Albus know that Scorpius is in the hospital wing. And we find yeah. out that when he slid down the pole, he got really bad friction burns on everything except <laughs> for his hands, which were protected in those really nice dragon hide gloves. <laughs> And, of course, Scorpius being Scorpius didn't want anybody to know that he was hurt, so he very dignifiedly, dignifiedly is that a word, walked off. There we go. Walked off and went to the hospital wing so nobody would know how bad it was. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And And apparently Cormac is there, too, mm -hmm. because he has been, uh, and someone seems to have been piercing him. Yes. And he was fighting through it. So he wasn't casting luck on the game um, on his own. No, apparently he was being forced. And as we learned last week, I think it was the his luck, he doesn't have a lot of control over his luck, so it's either good or bad. It just kind of happens willy-nilly. So that's why things were happening kind of weird. And Albus goes over to see what's going on and talks to Gas and says that he's unconscious because... He fought the Imperius so hard that he broke through it, and and Mm. now he's just kind of recuperating. Yeah. And they sit there with him for a bit, and Albus, after a little while, Albus realizes that everything is a little too quiet. Mm -hmm. And he looks around, and everybody is frozen, and there's this woman standing there brushing hair out of Cormac's face who has orange hair just like his and pointy ears. Mm-hmm. And she introduces herself as Karmic's mom. Or, well, Alba says that to her and she smiles at him. Yeah. 
And she's, yeah, yep. she calls him my brave little man and wants to know if, if Albus knows who did it. Albus says no. And she says, somebody did this for, to my boy for a ready Quidditch match. And he fought them hard. That's why he's hurt. And I want to know. And I want your word that you will tell me when you know. And Albus kind of jumps up and says, what do you, what makes you think I'll know? And she says, I can't see the, the future clearly, but I know that the person who did this to my boy will pop, cross your path. And when he does, I want your word that you will let me know who it is. Do I have it? And Alice is a little bit of afraid of her, so he says, yeah. And then poof, she's gone. Yeah. And Cormac wakes up and wants a word Cormac with Alice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he knows that his mom was there, and he wants to know what she said. Yeah. So he struck this deal with his leprechaun lady and, mm-hmm. you know, has the seal on his hand. Yeah, he's got this gold coin. Yeah. It's not like any other leprechaun coin either. Mm-mm. It will come back. And basically, Cormax lets him know that because whoever it was hurt a leprechaun, they're going to, his people are going to go after him and the sentence is likely to be death or worse. And Albus says, well, then I won't tell her. And Cormac says, you have to. You made a bargain and you gave her the wor- your word. And if you don't tell her, then whatever they would have done to him, they'll do to you. And Not good. Yeah. <laughs> They're really intense in this thing. Mm-hmm. They are. And we move to the next chapter and we sort of meet an old friend. Well, the daughter of an old friend. Well, not really an old friend. (laughs) So, Albus is trying to get rid of the coin. He's thrown it in the lake, and it came back and was on his bed. And then he buried it in his trunk, and the next thing he knew, it was underneath his pillow. So, the coin is there to stay. Yeah, it's a bad Mm -hmm. penny that always turns up. Mm -hmm. And then the morning paper comes. Yes. Like the cat came back. The cat came back the very next day. Yeah. Yeah, the morning paper comes in. You know what? Who the hell would have breed with this woman? I don't know. I don't know either. Rita Skeeter has a daughter. Rita does. Yeah, they just make a whole bunch. What was her name again? Sorry, I don't have to find a Sorry. Nita Skeeter. Nita Skeeter. Apparently, it was artificially insemination. You think? Wouldn't even take the time to say. Yeah. That's the only thing. No one would want to do that on purpose. Okay. I just went to a very bad place. I'm going to behave myself now and not and try to get out of that bad place. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to share. What if um she. She was in her Animagus form, and, and it was another bug. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. <laughs> I told you, I it, was a, I told you it was a bad place. <laughs> so she's written an article, and she says, there are weird things going on at Hogwarts. First of all, there's a Malfoy and Hufflepuff. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Oh. <gasps> And he's on the Quidditch team in his first year, and he's a top student in most of his classes. And Lucius Malfoy is not amused. And then 
Albus Severus Potter, the second son of the man some call the great Harry Potter, is also in the most humble of Hogwarts houses, and he's also a first-year chaser. Count it! That's two first years! Something is wrong. And then... Something Yes. You're never going to believe this, but the Weasley family tradition going back seven generations has been broken, and Rose Weasley is also in Hufflepuff. I think the world is ending. She doesn't really say that, but yeah, that's kind of the feeling you get. I was waiting for pack packs and dogs are going to get together. Well, yeah, and then she <laughs> implies that Rose and Scorpius, because they're both good in classes, must have something else going on too. So apparently, mm-hmm. if you're good in classes, that must mean you're an item. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing Never is, really works for me. No. At least, at least, I mean, she's at least not going as far as saying. Potter and Weasley getting together. I mean, she's not doing the incest thing. So I gotta give her credit for that. Yeah, and that everything she wrote is factual. She didn't make anything up, except for maybe the the one wonders about the the two of them. But yeah, that wasn't written as fact. Yeah, she goes. Yeah. But it's the thing is, it's just making them mm-hmm. slightly better. And than Rose them, says, slightly better. How dare she try and start rumors about us and. Scorpio says, yeah, that would be terrible. Well, you needn't act like it would be so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have to act so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Albus sends a letter off to his dad asking for help, and Harry says, well, I know her mother, and just be careful who you talk to, and don't talk around any bugs. <laughs> and poor, and, you know, there's not much you can do. And so they've had to endure requests for autographs and kissing noises from all of the people around them. Mm-hmm. And, and James is apparently furious about mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Sure. And he's so mad and in such a bad mood that he's also kind of driven off his friends, too. So he is in quite the snit. And mm. he goes in for his lesson with Neville, and Neville lets him know kind of what's happened. He says, your brother doesn't hate you. It's just that you have kind of upstaged him. He was always the number one person until you came along. And now all of these things that he thought he had wrapped up, you're kind of trumping him. I find it very profound that Neville is saying this. Not because he's Neville. It's more because he's an only child. Mm-hmm. And I would think that he would not understand this. Right. How at some point, I mean, but maybe he can because he never lived up to what his parents I mean, his grandmother's expectation of his parents. Right. Kind of thing. Like, my my father, your father never did this kind of thing. I mean, in some aspects, I see yeah, he can say it. In other aspects, I see, no, he can't because he is he was and always will be the only child. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. So I found it very, I'm not sure if he was the right person to say it, but the thing is, for this role, yeah, yes. Well, and I think that he's very observant, and so even though he was only he's an only child, and he may not have experienced this firsthand, he's kind of he's outside of the family enough that he can see this. And he was the one that James stayed with when Albus was born. And apparently, in this universe, Albus was premature and very sickly and almost died. And so, you know, he was the number one son and everybody loved him and wanted his picture and 
cooed over him and everything. And then Alvis was born and all of a sudden he's dumped at Uncle Neville's. He doesn't see his mom and dad for four or five days. And then all of a sudden he shows up to see them and he's told that the reason that he hasn't seen them is because of this squalling little kid. And so what does he do? He kicks the bassinet and and makes poor Albus cry and gets himself into trouble. And I love Neville here. He says, I was there when you were both in your nappies. I changed them a time or two. And let me tell you, I routinely deal with troll fertilizer and your little bum stank. (laughs) Albus is like, Uncle Neville. (laughs) I don't want to know about that. Don't tell me. So, yeah. And, yeah, now he thinks Elvis is worried, or James is worried, because all of the things that he's been trying to do at school, Elvis has come along and kind of done better. Taking this Or at least differently. Because mm-hmm. uh, he figured, you know, he was following in his dad's footsteps. He was going to be in Gryffindor. He'd be the best shot for Seeker. And he didn't try out the last year because first years aren't allowed. And then here's Elvis coming along, and he lands in Hufflepuff and Harry seems to be okay with that and here he is being a chaser in his first year and he's making friends with Malfoys and Harry's okay with that and it's just all weird and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can he do that wrong? <laughs> he doesn't quite believe Neville but Neville convinces him at least that his brother doesn't help him. Doesn't hate him. So yeah. there you go. And we find out that uh, the only people that have ever pranked him are James and Fred. And the reason is, is they put the word out that no one was to touch him. And Albus kind of scoffs and says, he's just a second year. Who would take him seriously? And Neville says, yeah, but you know what? They're the representatives of the Tri, was the Tri-W products. And if you cross them, you don't get the supplies. So you got to listen to them. And, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Albus is pretty shocked. So at least among knows. the pranksters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Neville goes in and to this locked safe area that the Green God's goblins have installed, where apparently James's Skybolt is in residence, so no one else will mess with it, and gets Albus's wand out and gives it back to him. And we have a slight, dis- a, a little discussion on why the sky bolts in there and not in the broom shed. And Neville says, "Well, because people keep putting their messy little paws on it, and I, we don't want other people touching it or jinxing it. And you stay away. You're the enemy." Albus kind of laughs. laughs. Yeah, and they're going to probably do some things. And Neville says, "Well, all this talking, I've got a word out. Just take your wand and go." <laughs> And then the next day is Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Quidditch match, and it was a slaughter. So, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um. The, I, it was, they had uh, planned on driving up the, po- the points so much that the other teams wouldn't even, would never be able to catch up. But the Banshee, the other seeker, went after the snitch and James ended up having to catch it or lose it. And so everybody's kind of mad at James now because he didn't, the score was only 300 to 20 instead of, you know, seven or 800, like they were hoping. Mm-hmm. And of course, then we have our, our tagline here, not good. 
Good. That's good. And we move on to our last chapter for this one, A Threefold Mm. Chord, Chapter 18. And we've got midterms. We have the Ravenclaw Hufflepuff match. The uh, last game was a travesty because the sisters were suspended and the Ravenclaws ran up the score against the sisterless Hufflepuffs team. So this year she's, you know, going to make sure that they do well. And she's got this muggle technique of visualization and they don't touch the broom. They just visualize themselves winning, which Albus (laughs) thinks is pretty silly, but there you go. And Cornelius says, you're not imagining a quaffle, you're imagining a dinner roll. And they all start laughing. <laughs> yeah, she makes him mad. And then they, they've been practicing with uh, Albus and, and uh, Scorpius have been practicing trying to get this niche because their brooms are, uh, Albus's broom is like the other teams. And they're feeling kind of not real good about the whole practice thing, that they're not sure this is going to work. Yeah, Scorpius does keep catching the snitch first, but that's because Zelda isn't really a seeker. Mm-hmm. The broom is still pretty good. So. Yeah. We have a, a letter from Al, or from Mum to Albus. Good luck on your game. Your dad and I are proud of you. Lillian, creature, say hi. And by the way, James sent a note, and we know that his teammates are not happy with him. So if you get a chance, remind your brother that his family will always stand behind him. Don't make that face. Albus you're still my little boy don't roll your eyes so he looks over Lily wants his room sorry yeah go ahead Lily wants his room for her dollies Mm -hmm. I like that yeah it's true she misses you but if you get killed today that's okay your your room will be in good hands (laughs) yeah yeah so I'm just I, all I have to say I keep thinking about like the I think with I'm like my God what a wicked sense of humor <laughs> yeah so he he looks over and and James is sitting all by himself down at one end and Albus thinks ah the mighty have fallen but he's a good brother and he goes and sits next to his brother and you know James like what do you want Albus says. Um, red currant jam for my toast would be good. And so he makes a, some toast for himself. And I know, doesn't that sound good? Red, red currant. Oh my gosh. I haven't had that. I haven't had that. I don't know if I've ever had that. England. Yeah. I have <laughs> black currant jam, but I don't have red currant jam. Yeah. I haven't had any currant jam since I was in England. That was over three years ago. Mm. Do you know that's where Ryan and Danielle are right now? I know. I look at the prison just sigh. <laughs> so the two brothers make up, and all yeah. the rest of the the Weasley Potter clan kind of gathers around them, and they're all they're all good now. And Scorpius asks if everything's okay, and Albus says yeah. And Scorpius says your brother seems like he'd be a good guy if he would quit trying so hard. And Albus says you're right. He's a good guy when he's not being a centaur's arse. And then he says, don't tell Rose. She'll jinx me for being a racist against centaurs. <laughs> so. Sometimes she is her mother's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Fred um, delivers Ryan's line when they're 
sitting at the table. It's the end of the world. Dogs and cats living together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't remember what that's actually from. I just know Ryan uses it a lot. Ghostbusters. Ah, Ghostbusters. Ah. Well, you could believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Yeah. So the game is pretty much a bloodbath. Ravenclaw is showing determination not to lose like they did to the Gryffindors. Hufflepuff is sent reeling. They're back to the state that they were in last time they played them, which is, we can't win. And Albus Mm -hmm. thinks about this, and he's going to come up with an idea. And again, here we go. We've got Albus problem-solving. And Victoire's commentating, but she's more focused on her nails because nothing else is going on. Albus gets the ball and goes and tries to score. And basically, he's just trying to get his team motivated again, which works. He throws it, and he doesn't quite make the quaffle through the hoops, but he hurts the keeper a little bit. It bounces off the keeper's shoulder, and the team, instead of being desperate and demoralized, are now determined. And that's what we needed. And they're back into the game. Back on track, Jack. Back on track, Jack. <laughs> I love the yeah. quote. The sister's absolutely tattooed Elliot Dorman. Literally. I think he's going to have an impression of that bludger for a year. I don't condone that tattoos, but I've been thinking about getting a wolf on my Miss Weasley. I was going to say ankle. Really, I was. And Hufflepuff are up. And to 80. Mm-hmm. And they're after the... Lilith and Scorpius are after the snitch, and he's got a bit of a head start, but she's, you know, diving. She's got ice water in her veins. And Albus sees a quick flash of red, and Lilith smashes into the ground. And Scorpius catches the snitch, and he didn't see her get hit, so he doesn't know what's going on. And when Scorpius turns around and sees that Lilith isn't moving and her hair's over her face, he turns around and goes back. And all of a sudden, and you know, Pomfrey's rushing out onto the field, and she just sits up. And Albus is pretty sure she's been stunned. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to look yeah, and see some... who could have done that, but he doesn't see anybody putting their wand away or anything. Right. So okay. He saw, like, a red light or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sits back up and says, did I catch the snitch? And everybody's like, oh, she's okay. But Pomfrey marches her off towards the the hospital wing, but not before she gives Shacklebolt a piece of her mind because bad things keep happening in Quidditch. And Quidditch is just... She's been saying that for freaking years, but you know uh, what? No, it's it, not going to happen. Nope, it has. It isn't. And we find out that her... And it turns out... Yeah. I don't remember Lilith's what she is. grandmother is actually a banshee, so she is really part banshee. It's not that she just likes to scream when she sees the snitch. Mm-hmm. And and that gets Albus to thinking again. If she knows that about the the seeker, then she must know about Cormac being a leprechaun. And oh, what is with this phone today? 
he realizes that whoever <laughs> there you go that whoever Imperius Cormac had to have been a staff member because mm-hmm. they would all know yeah they would know they have to know all these different people's special needs so to speak and so he sees the he, he gets he gets dressed and he runs up to Professor Farrell because he's mm-hmm. there and um, he says. I know what happened to Lilith. I saw her get stunned. And he says, no, no, she just fell. If she'd been stunned, we would have all seen it. Mm-hmm. And nobody started panic or anything. But look at the wording here, because in light of what Tricia has said, Professor Farrell immediately looks alarmed. So if he's the one that's doing this, he would be alarmed. What are you babbling about, young man? She was stunned. I saw a, a flash. And he kind of smiles and, oh, she just fell. So there's just this little bit there that could mean something, but then it it might not. It's just something to keep an eye out for. Mm -hmm. And he he promises, he says, go run along. I'll make sure to tell the headmaster what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Albus goes up. He reaches into his pocket and that coin's in there again. And he's thinking, you know, okay, this person who nearly killed Lilith is probably the same person that did that to Cormac. What is going on? And he goes in, and there's a party going on, but he doesn't really join them. And Mm -hmm. when he wakes up the next day, he's stiff and sore with quaffle bruises all over him. Just This really, I mean, you know Quidditch is a brutal game, but this really makes it look like... I wouldn't want to play this game. Mm-hmm. So. Now, a little description of, um, you know, the cellar is always nice and warm and toasty, and he's overheard the Gryffindors and Ravenclaws and Slytherins complaining about the, the draft and the towers and the dungeons all damp and not, not very nice, and um, they come to class shivering because it's cold, and uh, the Hufflepuffs are all comfortable so they look suspicious at them and it says neither water or air insulates but earth does and this is what this is how the Hufflepuff common room is built now the drawback is they don't have any windows because those would let in drafts and he's woke up early and he's gone out for a walk and as he's walking around he realizes that there's funny light coming in through the windows and lo and behold it has snowed no, no, yes, no, no. Yes, no. In the story, yeah. I'm hoping it doesn't show up here for a while yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's starting to be dark when I have to get up to go to work and stuff now. So. Yeah, yeah it's dark yeah. for me. I had to wear the headlight to go out to the chickens the other night or the other morning because it was so dark. It's very bright here. I bet. Yeah, well, you're starting yeah. to go into summer. And we're going the other way. Yeah. yeah, we're like in the middle of spring now. You're just sort of in the middle of fall. Everything's uh, mostly gray and rainy, and there's lots of leaves coming down. And I was just saying it's always dark when I have to get up to go to work now. So, well, I, was prefer, eight, I prefer autumn. What, mm-hmm. it, was 80 it, was it was 80 degrees yesterday here. Oh, yeah. Actually, this oh. weekend was really nice for us, too. Oh, it was not nice. It, I, I ran 20 miles, and I felt like I was going to die. Well, so. you're a crazy person. <laughs> That's so. your fault. We already knew that I was not. I know, <laughs> that I know. But now it's 50 degrees. Yesterday it was. Wow. 
What? That's quite a jump. Yeah. Possessed you yeah. to run 20 miles. Well, um, I'm training for a marathon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good for you. It, it's part of my training. All right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be running a marathon in 20 days. Oh, good gravy! Wow. Fine. Well, good luck, you I insane know. person, you. <laughs> so, I have this yeah. little thing. This is this the best compliment you can give a runner? Is saying you are crazy. I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the best mm-hmm. compliment you can give a runner. Well, we're nuts. I would agree. Yeah, but we love you anyhow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Heard me. Yep. So, well, let's finish this up because I'm getting dopey and the rest of you are yawning. Well, except for Jenny, who's <laughs> getting ready to go and play for her day. So, Albus has kind of walked out in to the a breezeway and is looking at the snow, and this voice behind him says, It won't last, you know. And Albus kind of jumps. And he says, good morning, Professor. You gave me a fright. And the professor's like, I was here already. You came out here. It's not my fault you weren't paying attention. And, of course, Alvis. Professor Flint. He's very mm-hmm. Snape-like. He, yeah. <laughs> so he's collecting the very first snow of the year because that's a valuable potion ingredient. And sure. he asks if he, if Alvis ever had a chance to ask about Lily Evans. Because earlier he had told Albus he needed to ask about Lily Evans, and Albus forgot. And so Flint says, if you were to perhaps walk down this corridor and take the next two lefts and stuff, you might find the trophy room, and you might find the answer in the fifth case on your right as you enter. Third shelf from the top, have a good morning. And off he goes. And Albus... He's not really sure he wants to go, but he's got nothing else to do. So he heads for the trophy room. And the first thing he finds is James Potter Chaser. And he's like, hey, that's just like me. My grandfather was just like me, a chaser. And then he finds a plaque that says three students were cited for potions excellence for brewing Felix Felices. And it was for Severus Snape. Cyrus Dillinger and Lily Evans. And of course, Albus knows Snape, but he doesn't really know the other two until mm-hmm. he finds the name of the head boy and the head girl, James Potter and Lily Evans. And then he puts two and two together and realizes that. Grandma and Grandpa. Yep. And Grandma was good in potions and Grandpa was the chaser. And then he thinks. Yeah. Yeah, he's not an accident. Nope. Yeah. He now has this nice connection to his grandparents, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. And he's got questions now for his dad that keep piling up. Like, how come you didn't tell me that Lily Evans was my grandma? And as he's contemplating these things, he runs into a ghost. Naturally. Mm -hmm. And he calls him Mr. Fryer. And the ghost says, you can call me Fat Fryer. I'm used to my shape. And he (laughs) says, that sounds rude to me. So he won't do it. He says, all right, well, then you can call me Father Thomas. The fat fryer wants to know, how come he's not in bed on this nice Sunday morning? Why is he up early? And I've been keeping secrets for a long time, so you can tell me. And Albus thinks about it but says, no, I need to work this out on my own. And the fat fryer says, if I may, I'm going to give you some advice. I've watched your family for a few generations, your father and his father before him. 
and they took great comfort in your in their friends and you have good friends let them help you you know you're not a Gryffindor you're a Hufflepuff you can ask for help and I'll always be around if you need to talk mm-hmm. he thinks about that not all Hufflepuffs are very good at that no but you know we should be mm-hmm. we should try to be better anyway <laughs> we should and he decides he's going to talk to his friends, but first he has to ask Cormac if it's okay. Yeah. And Cormac says, well, until they figure it out for themselves, I can't say anything and neither can you. I have this onus on myself that present, prevents me from saying that I'm a leprechaun, and now you can't say it either unless they already suspect. But then he also says they're really smart, and I bet you they might surprise you. They've probably already got it figured out. So he goes over to talk to them, and they give him a bad time because he's been a martyr. Mm-hmm. And he says, what do you know about Cormac, or what do you suspect? And they kind of go off on this thing. Oh, do you mean about how he's really way undersized to be 11? Or that he has the reddest hair I've ever seen? It's almost orange. Or that his ears have a bit of a point on them? And he has the thickest Irish accent I've ever heard, nearly Gaelic? Or he's stronger and faster than any than a boy his size and age should be? Hmm. Maybe he's part a leprechaun, Albus. We figured that out ages ago. You really yeah. need to read it. You really ought to read the revised <laughs> Magical Creatures and Mortifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pat so, Looney and Uncle Rolf have put out a new edition. They have. And Albus pulls out the coin and puts it in front of Scorpius, and Scorpius says, That's leprechaun gold. It'll be gone by sundown. I'm a Malfoy. I know my gold. And Albus says, I wish. And they look at him, and he says, And so it begins. One becomes three. And that is where we are leaving you. Dun, dun, dun. Tonight. <laughs> yes. So we've got some ideas here. We think that mm-hmm. we've we've got there's one. There's lots of people that there's something going on with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Albus is asking for help, and we'll see what's going to happen. And I'm looking forward to the Gryffindor Hufflepuff Quidditch game. That yes, will be that interesting. Will be interesting. All his relatives, the other team. Mm-hmm. And you know he's going to want to win. And if he gets angry mm-hmm. enough, he can. Yeah, and there's something going on with that, too, because he never really had these fits of anger until uh, Charlie kind of broke it out of him mm-hmm. doing the flying yeah. training, well, and now they're coming up all the, the time. I like it better than panic attacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably likes it better than panic attacks, too. <laughs> sure. Except when he's about to attack somebody. Yeah. He, uh... He's a little worried about that. I, I mean, we've we've gone through so much this chapter. We've gone through him being addicted to the calming droughts for a little while, not very long, because they break him out of it. We've got Arthur having a supposed heart attack. We have Quidditch games where people are getting hurt and imperious and all of these things. We have two professors that we're not real sure about. Three, if you count the... Uh, Professor Hemophilius, although I think he's just a red herring. <laughs> red blood herring. There you go. Um, this is bad. The hemophiliacs yeah, may come back to haunt us. Who knows? Yes, they may. Especially if they get transferred. And there's Olek, who's part leprechaun. Mm-hmm. And there's Lilith, who's part banshee. And there's 
Liam, who's hurt something or other, or there's something going on with him that we yeah. don't know about yet. Yeah. There is a lot of weird yeah. breeding going on around here. And we have Skeeter, who's had a daughter, and Trish is mm-hmm. amazed. <laughs> maybe so, she just respawned like a amoeba or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to the next chapters to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I have some memories. I remember the very end, which has nothing really to do with the whodunit part, but I can't remember the whodunit part. So. Interesting. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. So we have two more episodes in this one? We do. Something like that? Yep. Well, just for Kelly, it's Edgecombe. Okay. Yes, even though <laughs> just in the last chapter, there's going to be somebody show up named Edgecombe, mm-hmm. and that'll be it. And yeah. that'll, that'll be the one that did it. Okay. You know yeah. what? Why will Okay, I just want someone to write me sick about Edgecombe. <laughs> about Edgecombe. He's the one that ends up... He's the big one. He's the, the bad guy. Okay. We'll have to get a drabble or something for you. That'll work. I don't even really remember what this was based on, so I probably couldn't do it justice. <laughs> I have to go back and I don't find remember the fic. I don't, I don't remember the fic. No, I found the sto- the podcast for you uh, a while back, but I don't even remember which one it was now. But I remember seeing it and sending you a message, but that was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, it was. So, and I'm thinking that it was one of the ones that got edited poorly, so it's hard to listen to. I could be wrong about that, but I kind of think that might be it. So, well, we hope that you guys will come back and find out what's going to happen next time. Uh, we hope you're either reading along with us or have read ahead because you're really into this story and are excited about it. I'm excited to find out what's going to happen. I'm excited that we're reading a story that was written by a guy because that doesn't happen very often. And I'm excited that we all stayed awake to finish this up. We're on more tangents this week than we usually are. So that usually (laughs) means it's a good story and we like it, because that's when we get lost into tangents. We don't have things to complain about the story. (laughs) Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's it's fun. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, it makes it interesting that I'm usually reading it about... uh, and 20 minutes before we're supposed to start podcasting. <laughs> Tonight I got a few chapters in, so the last few I was reading as we went, but it worked. Uh-huh. You, you need to get headphones and listen to it on your way to and from work. No, yeah, I suppose. I've been listening to Critical Hit instead. So oh, pretty... well, that'll do it. That'll do it. <gasps> well, shall we... I'm almost caught up on that, though, so... Oh, that's Maybe... good. Maybe you'll have time to read after you finish it. Mm-hmm. Or I can start listening to POV Weekly or something. Mm, there you go. <laughs> There's always something new to listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, anybody have any further comments they want to make about these group of chapters or the story in general? Um, not really. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> well, in that case, we will say good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night, everyone. Bye. 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 So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.